sorry I don't love you A fresh I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, and we are talking to Sean Gonzalez this week about the new Phasma book. So if you have not read it, I highly suggest stopping this podcast, going and buying the book and doing that. We will have links in the show notes and everything like that. But Sean, how are you doing today? Are you excited to talk about this book? I'm genuinely very excited. I'm doing quite well. It's uh, Yeah, this book is kind of a game changer in terms of my hype for The Last Jedi in the movie. Yeah, and this book was written by Delilah S. Dawson, who has been writing in the Star Wars and science fiction world for quite a bit now. And they just released a handful of books, I want to say, for Force Friday on September 1st, I believe it was. And this was one of them. Yep. So you and I got through that book fairly quickly then, because whenever I buy a new book, usually it takes me months to get to it, if not longer, because I just have way too many books. But as soon as this one showed up in the mail, one, because I wasn't expecting the publisher to send it to me to review it, and it came like two weeks after it was already out, I was very confused, but also very excited. So I just like blew my way through it. And I do want to start with talking about the format of the book, because the story isn't really told in a conventional way. It's not strictly a book about Phasma taking place in her past. Instead, it's taking place in the present day, and we are getting a story told by one of the characters about what Phasma went through and her past before she was with the First Order. Yeah, I think it's a pretty genius way to tell someone's backstory without having to be like, oh yeah, this is an origin story. You know, like every Spider-Man movie, it seems like, has that. But this was just like, it brought us to present day, what was currently happening within the First Order, and then there's a character named V, who's a resistant spy, who is pretty arrogant, honestly, yeah. <laughs> and I think it really works for uh, this arrogant, kind of like, I know what I'm getting into character to be explaining the backstory of this wonderful character. And it's all happening because there's another captain that we have not seen yet on screen named Captain Cardinal who wants to get rid of Phasma because of, you know, political issues. As it seems, it's always on the dark side. There's always political issues. But Cardinal wants to get rid of Phasma and captures a resistant spy who's really high up named V. And then V is trying to stay alive and being interrogated, but also tells the story of Phasma. Yeah, and we also still get a bit of Phasma in the present day, too, later on in the book, because you have cardinal who is the one that is interrogating v and it's one of those things where he has this sort of vendetta against phasma so even within the first order you can tell things are a bit shaky between certain characters and i think that makes this story even more entertaining because you're getting a different aspect to these characters because you know of course everyone in the rebellion isn't going to like Phasma. And we already know Finn doesn't like Phasma a whole lot more than the rest of them. And then to see right. someone within the First Order just have so much hatred for her, pretty much, I think that gives it an interesting dynamic. Yeah. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but did did Cardinal know Phasma was a girl at first? No. Yeah, he, I think he did. Yeah, he did. Never mind. 
But um, I think it was other people within the like resistance didn't know. I think I'm mixing comic verse this yeah i think it's probably more so people who had just heard of phasma but never seen phasma because when you look at the armor they do sort of have it form-fitting so then it makes it a little more obvious because her armor is very specialized armor as is cardinals because they have you know the red and the chrome colors going on there so it's definitely something that stands out more than just your typical stormtrooper armor yeah, and so it's it's so awesome to see that there was someone else besides Phasma that we didn't even see in The Force Awakens. But I think it was a good plot point to bring up, like, all right, so let's just say there's Cardinal. And Cardinal was the OG captain, the OG, like, bodyguard. And he kind of just gets, like, pushed aside for this Phasma. And there, we know nothing about Phasma. And to be honest, within The Force Awakens, I thought Phasma was terrible. I thought we were going to get another Boba Fett, who's, like, the worst character of all time to me. But, like, this character gets easily overthrown in The Force Awakens, but now we know all about her, and this story that gets told by V really paints, like, a very different, and I don't want to say delicate, but it is, like, kind of a delicate memory of, like, this person struggling and just murdering and being absolutely relentless just in order to make it through the First Order and survive. Yeah, and while V is telling this story too, you see how crucial she is to the Rebellion because of the fact that she has this sort of unique memory where even though she heard this story from someone else and wasn't there to witness it herself, she still has an excellent memory of all of the details that happened. And it's one of those things where you know that She definitely knows a lot more about the Rebellion than she's letting on. But then as soon as Cardinal knows that she has stories about Phasma, it's like he doesn't even care about the Rebellion stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's all it's all about Phasma. And I think it's almost it's almost like kind of sick knowing how like V manipulated Cardinal so well. And it kind of gives off that like, yeah, like kind of like with Rogue One, you saw the you saw how gray the area was, but V here is total, total gray character. Always trying to get Cardinal to defect and like kind of get some sympathy out of him and break him. But also, that's pretty like manipulative. Like she knew exactly what she was doing. She had all of the cards. She knew the entire story, and I think that near the end it says her memory is eidetic. So she's like, she could remember every single detail. And then the way that Delilah S. Dawson brought that detail to an image like you could totally make this book into a movie in your head and just see like this tribe trying to survive and then you can see phasma leaving the tribe with brendel hux and some storm some stormtroopers the way it was written was so fantastic and i visualized the whole thing and i read this book in four sessions like it only took me four times sitting down and actually reading it and i think that's pretty impressive it was always like First time I didn't get enough time, but then every other time I re- sat down to re- read it, it was like 100 pages at a time. It was so enthral- enthralling. Yeah, and what they've been doing really well with a lot of these Star Wars books in general is that they are so easy to just dive into and read. I think the only ones that have felt a bit more dense to me are the Aftermath trilogy books. I'm on the last one, finally, 
And those seem to take me a little longer to get through. And I know not everyone has liked those as much. I know there have been more mixed reviews on that trilogy than I think any of the other more recent canon Star Wars books that I've read. And it's just amazing how Lucasfilm puts all of this stuff together, their story group and everything, because they have to keep track of literally every little detail that is put into books and in the movies and the TV shows and everything like that. So just the fact that they are even able to do this on such a large scale is really amazing to me. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm highly impressed. And I even love that uh, they allowed Dawson to use uh, Anakin's sand quote from Attack of the Clones of how sand's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. Like, I was reading that, and I like almost guffawed with laughter. I was like, no, they did it. They brought it back. I was just so happy. <laughs> yeah, and that sort of leads into one of the next things I want to talk about, and that's sort of how Phasma was prior to the First Order. You know, she doesn't have armor in the sense of how the First Order wears armor, but she sort of has this style, I guess you could call it, that she abides by because she is a fighter and there are also certain characteristics where you can really tell that she's going to fit in and thrive in the first order way before she even gets there yeah so her before was actually i was almost more scared of her before she got armor because i think what made it so even though they like her tribe um and the skyer people had masks like this was a person like, this was a struggling person. This was an ind indigenous person to a world that got destroyed by like a nuclear meltdown, basically. And so seeing, like, knowing her without armor and being so ruthless, being so cold, murdering her parents, uh, hand like, making her brother handicapped for the rest of his life, that's like a, it was like a person doing it, you know? And that's, like, one thing that I think made Star Wars so big back in the day was that these stormtroopers were all identical, essentially. And so even though Phasma has, like, silver armor later, I think just knowing that this was an actual individual who has this kind of, like, not psychopathic, like, behavior, but, I mean, if you want to get down to it, like, she murdered her whole family to join the Stronger Clan, and then she left her family to join a stronger force, and then she ended up killing and slaughtering everyone. So and that was like, you know, she had some of the Stormtrooper armor, but it didn't really fit her well. So that whole time I was still imagining is like, you know, this really lean, tall, muscular person. And so now like that she's under the armor, it's like, okay, this person deserves to be a captain completely. I mean, this, the things that this person has gone through is insane. Yeah. And just how they portrayed her in The Force Awakens, too, because... She's played by Gwendolyn Christie, who is a very, very tall person. So it's like Captain Phasma just towers over a ton of people, too. And it's one of those things where you just look at the character and it's just like, oh, wow. Or, oh, crap, in some cases. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to play a really big part in The Last Jedi. And again, I can't be more hyped to see what we will see in The Last Jedi because I have now like... That's one thing I'm, like, seeing in these books is they make your character expectations, like, sky high, which is good, but also, I mean, it's really great that Star Wars is caring enough about these characters to give them a great backstory and have a really good focus on it. 
And the thing is, I don't even know if this book would exist if people hadn't been making such a big deal about Phasma from the movie, because that was, as far as I know, the first time we had seen that character, because it was the first time we had really seen the First Order in general. It's like, it's not the Empire anymore. Yeah, it was, uh, I think they're finally diving into the First Order. I think they wanted to go into the Resistance and get the cash grab there with, like, bloodlines and, uh... Obviously, Aftermath is about after the Empire has fallen. Yeah. But I think now they're like more okay with getting darker and darker. I mean, they've gone Thrawn, and Tarkin's book was crazy. So I think they're okay with being like, all right, so now we've gotten through the Rebellion stuff because Rogue One and all that hype is over. So now they can just really focus on like what makes the First Order this menacing force and why and what makes the Resistance even be able to compete with it. And I think that was really good having V be able to like kind of strip down Phasma. You know, Phasma's in this glorious silver chrome armor from Palpatine's indestructible ship. And V kind of humanizes her and takes that armor away and says, this is who she is. This has nothing to do with the First Order. She will take down the First Order if, it, if it, she needs to. Right. And her role in the First Order is that she trains the stormtroopers sort of after they have graduated from Cardinal's class, basically. So she has the job that he thinks he's doing well enough in simulations to where she doesn't need to have that job, so to speak. And, you know, she's giving the stormtroopers firsthand combat training because they are going out into the real world and doing these things not just sitting in a room doing simulations and i think that's what really pushes cardinal over the edge too and we quickly see him unraveling the more v goes on and tells the story and by the end of the book he's c come completely undone and phasma is still just you know standing her ground and keeping composed basically way more than he is and that is sort of what leads him to get caught up in some of the first order politics which i know you want to talk about here too and you know he's not invited to a meeting and he can't even get in the door and there's all sorts of things going on where you know the higher ups are very well aware of sort of his demise basically that he's putting upon himself yeah and so what i love and you see it and at the end of the book when cardinal eventually goes to confront phasma and try and take her on because cardinal's been training the resistance or not the resistance but the first order troops for years and then phasma has only been around for a certain amount of time but then cardinal says like you make my stormtroopers killers and she's like, but that's what they need. That's why I'm effective. So basically, he's just giving them simulations to basically brainwash them. And it, you can see that he brainwashed himself at the same time, whereas Phasma's not brainwashed. That's what the main difference is. Phasma will take these brainwashed soldiers and turn them into like, all right, you need to be able to kill. You need to be able to take down. You need to be able to make sure that we remain at the top. But at the back of her mind, Phasma is not brainwashed into this first order like nonsense whereas you can see cardinal unraveling because phasma is not him phasma is not part of what the first order represents and so that's where i think the main feud is cardinal's this perfect soldier who rose through the ranks of the first order and now has trained 
like a generation of stormtroopers to be the perfect soldier and to follow orders and to do what needs to be done. Whereas Phasma now gets to take them and take their brainwashed minds and use it for the most murderous and serial plots, whatever, turns them on in the battlefield and says, all right, now you have your orders, be as ruthless as possible. And so that's where Cardinal like really starts to unravel is like, well, why I was perfect. I was prestigious. You came from a backwater planet and murdered everybody. Why do you get to be like better than me in a certain sense? So I think that was really well done. And I think Dawson completely did a great job of having Cardinal suffer a mental breakdown. Exactly. Plus one of the things I really enjoy with what they're doing with these books is they are getting women to write these strong women characters that we see in Star Wars. And there's quite a few of them. Like when this book came out, Claudia Gray released a book on Princess Leia. Yep. And you have Ray as well, who might end up getting her own book too, because we know a little bit about her past from the force awakens but i feel like there's still a lot to uncover there and if you know the fans make a big enough deal about it it seems like lucasfilm and the story group team are really listening to what the fans want because right now it feels like there is way more star wars content than ever and i know there were tons of the legends books because those are no longer canon so there's even a ton of star wars stuff to dive into that isn't necessarily relating to the current movies and tv shows coming out but there's just so much to dive into with these characters because we don't even know who's going to show up in the last jedi who could end up requiring us to have a book like the one we have for phasma now yeah and claudia gray i think is along in the current canon i think claudia gray and james luceno are the top because they've done the most interesting books and claudia gray did um bloodlines and claudia gray did lost stars and so those are just like top of the top and so i'm really excited to read the princess leia book now but also uh beth revis did the Jin urso book which was a little bit more young adult novel, but I think it really ha- helps set the picture for Jen Erso into Rogue One. But it is awesome to see that they are willing to take these strong female writers and give them, you know, really, really great tasks. Like, I would feel kind of like crazy if I was Delilah S. Dawson being like, all right, I just have to make a character murder her entire family and then murder her brother and then murder and her entire people and then murder a random city and then become okay yeah yeah I, yeah <laughs> like, that's awesome <laughs> it is so cool like they are totally bridging the like genders of both male and female writers and i think everyone's doing a really good job but the thing i think the, i love most about the new canon is that it's all relative and it's all related so You've seen, and that's the Cardinal Phasma feud is so, like, this is, kind of goes with First Order politics, but it's like, they're so petty, and that is what you saw with Thrawn, that is what you saw with Krennic, that is what you saw with Tarkin, like, even though they were all high military officers, at the end of the day, they were always trying to stab someone in the back, and I think that that just comes from the Empire's back, like, that's what the Empire was all about, that's what every Admiral, Grand Moff, everybody wanted to do was become... Emperor's right-hand man next to Vader and have that trust. And they, even if they were terrible military leaders, like they just 
worked through the politics. So here we have that same political feud, but we have the best of the best. Like we have people that have been trained and have engaged and done very and had really good results, really great results. So that whole thing just keeps like trickling down from the empire and the basically the first order just wants to be a better empire. I mean, they've built their ships better, they've built their um, land troops better. They've done everything just a little bit better and perfected on the mistakes. But at the same time, you're still having this petty political nonsense. But the thing is, with the Empire, there were so many admirals. There was such a giant navy. And so it seems with the First Order, there's just four people. There's Snoke, or five people. Four. Snoke, Kylo Ren, uh, Hux, Cardinal, and Phasma. So you got five people that are going to either be petty or not, and they were completely fine until Cardinal had this breakdown. And I loved how Armitage Hux, Brendel Hux's son, was just like, yeah, dude, I know Phasma killed my dad. And that was like when you saw Cardinal just lose it. <laughs> All this petty stuff finally built up, and he got the courage, and it was just like, yeah, dude, this is why the Empire failed, essentially. So, like, thanks for telling me. Uh, go back to your duties. Yeah, and the fact that Armitage is willing to somewhat let it slide and see if Cardinal can keep himself together, which clearly he doesn't, but also the fact that they have no problem killing their own people is something that seems way more terrifying because it's not like Brendel Hux was going to go over to the rebellion or anything like that. It was just like, you know, he seemed to be getting old and they wanted him out of the way. Yeah, and that's that's something that you that I mean it would never have been done against the Empire because obviously um, you know, Palpatine was like top, but Tarkin kinda did it with Krennic and all these other people, but you never saw like the entire leadership of the Empire change and still live. I mean obviously Palpatine didn't have a descendant, but I think it was really smart for Phasma and V to kind of unravel that mystery. It was like, okay, so you've heard about Brendel Hux, but did you know how he died? And it's like a lot of people didn't even know he died. So I think that's pretty secretive and pretty, uh, like, genuinely, I was genuinely excited when Brendel Hux was kind of brought forward into the book because, you know, he seems like kind of like Kylo Ren where he's just this, like, angst-driven, like, I don't know, like, it just assumed leadership, and it's just, like, all bent up. It's like, I just want to have power. But now it's like, he's very, 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 very aware. And I think that having Phasma... You mean Armitage, not Brendel? Yeah, yeah. Having Armitage, yeah. In the movies, like, all this angst. Yeah. But getting rid of Brendel, and then just him just being so, like, okay about it, and so, like, nonchalant, I think it was great. But then he figured out how Phasma killed his dad, and I don't know if that's going to play into anything. I mean, they obviously have their meeting without Cardinal. So it was probably Kylo Ren and Armitage and Phasma. Maybe Snoke was on a hologram. But those three definitely had a meeting together, and Cardinal was out of the picture. So it's making me really excited to see what The Last Jedi is going to bring in terms of what the First Order is planning. Right. Plus, not too long after that, we see Phasma and Cardinal have their little tete-a-tete in the simulation room which does not end well for cardinal at all and it's one of those things where phasma will just literally get rid of anyone who threatens her in any way and i think even if 
Cardinal hadn't stayed with the First Order. I don't know if he necessarily would have just left or if he would have flipped and joined the Rebellion because he is someone who could have been extremely useful to the Rebellion. But at the same time, it's like, do you really want someone that unstable <laughs> trying to help you out? Yeah. And so that's, I'm excited that I was actually upset that they didn't go through like the last chapter is about Phasma and not about what happens with V and Cardinal. Because eventually Cardinal's dying, V comes to save him. They go to Phasma's home planet and then they put him in the med bay. And so we're going to see, hopefully, I don't know if it's going to come in The Last Jedi actually, but if I saw V and Cardinal, like that would be really cool because I want to see like what that relationship is like, what Cardinal is like now. But at the same time, Phasma is... A completely different animal. That fight, she had it all. She had it all planned out. She knew everything, and she's even saying, like, "Yeah, your simulations are nothing against experience." And Phasma has taken down the worst of the worst. Phasma has plotted against everybody. Phasma has fought hand to hand and murdered her like entire clan. So it was really, really built tension, and I think it was great tension to see released. And then that last image of Phasma going all the way back to her home planet nine years before this book and digging up um, Palpatine's old ship to get her armor, and then her putting on the armor. And, like, you can just see that there was, like, this proud sense of, like, there's no one like me. No one can ever be like me. This is who I am. And it was kind of like a self-actualizing, like, wow, Phasma is more than, like, what we ever thought she could be. Yeah, I'm looking through the... IMDb list here for The Last Jedi, and there are a few people who don't have any sort of character names attached to them. So there is obviously a chance that some people could show up who we aren't expecting, or it could be a V and Cardinal situation for all we know, because we do know that we are going to be seeing Phasma again, and this book specifically leads us into the last jedi like it says that right on the book cover yeah i mean now now that you say that like benicio del toro could totally be cardinal <laughs> i mean that that'd be super cool <laughs> yeah it's just crazy to me that like i said they have this all planned out so far in advance that they can do something like this and you mentioned being able to visualize this book so well and you could definitely see it being its own movie, not even necessarily being tied into The Last Jedi, we could probably, you know, not have to show something like they did in Rogue One, where they had the Carrie Fisher hologram. And they could just simply make this a Phasma origin story and just, you know, have maybe V narrating over the top of it or something. And not for the whole movie, because I think a whole movie of narration would would be a bit much. But, you know, you could sort of go into it with some narration and then have the scenes play out as they did in the story. Yeah, uh, there's so many ways they could take this. And I just I love that, again, this book uses such a different way to tell the story. And because it does make it more of like, a, all right, so imagine like you're getting tortured and like this is what you have to do. And V is so great at bending cardinal and knowing his facial expressions and she's so so arrogant and i love it because at the beginning she's like all right this person's probably this person doesn't know how to interrogate this person doesn't know that i can read their entire face and she's so like 
I can see her little sly smile every time she sees Cardinal, like, kind of break into a person. She's sitting there, like, totally with it. It's almost like a, it's almost like a, like a, a thriller, you know? It's almost like if um, Saw from the movies, like, Jigsaw was sitting there and just telling these stories and watching someone just completely collapse, and which is what that, like, movie series eventually turned into, but... It was so great, and it just showed that, yeah, Phasma's dangerous, but this V character is incredibly dangerous as well. The fact that she broke through the First Order's, like, training, and the person that trained the First Order. She got through the brainwash, and she was very, very, very fun to actualize and become, like, the character. Like, you became her, and you were like, yeah, I'm against the First Order, but Phasma's still, like, way cool. <laughs> exactly. The thing with the First Order, though, is that they have so many people that are terrifying. And then you have V come in, and she's sort of, you know, this smaller person, unassuming, and she has so much punch to her and everything she does, though. And it's just one of those things where. The Rebellion needs to have people like V because otherwise, how are they really going to get the things that need to be done, done? And you can tell right away that V likes playing mind games, but you also know so does the First Order. So if she had been captured by anyone else, this would have played out completely differently because, you know, chances of someone else catching her and getting her in a room and then also having a vendetta against Phasma are probably fairly slim because of how well-trained the First Order is. And they even seem more trained than a lot of the troopers in the Empire did and a lot of the people in the Empire. Because with the Empire, you had sort of a different aspect to it because Palpatine was part of the Senate and then he was also the emperor and all sorts of things going on. And then you have, you know, Anakin who was on the good side, the not on the good side. And then, you know, they are trying to get Luke to come over. And I feel like here they don't care about that stuff. They don't care about the Jedi and they just want to rule everything. Yeah. And I think that's what made this so, and like made it so thrilling to read was because you watched V just be like, I know who this is. And she kept toying with him, calling him emergency break and all these other things. And it just, you could see Cardinal didn't care at first, but as soon as Cardinal started getting this information and seeing this monster, and then Cardinal even says, no one has seen Phasma under the mask. Like he couldn't find a single person. So it must've been like really hard for him to actualize like, what Phasma looked like, and then be like, all right, this has nothing to do with the First Order anymore. This person isn't the First Order. This person that can't be in this group, because we're supposed to be leading as in a certain way as Brendel Hux wanted us to. And so then to find out that Armitage and Phasma, and you can arguably say Kylo, are all serving a different cause, I think he was so oblivious to it, and that's what made V so powerful in this book, because... She even knew that Cardinal and Cardinal's ways were basically dying. Because Armitage is not like Brendel at all. And I think from Cardinal's point of view, you saw Brendel as kind of you saw in the last, or in The Force Awakens, like this angst, whiny, 
piece of crap. But now, with Armitage kind of taking Cardinal out of the picture, like the whole old view of the First Order is out of the way. I expect nothing but like ruthless First Order, Armitage, Phasma, Ren. I want all of them to just completely do their like absolute worst. Yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see where they go with the movie after where this book ends. And I definitely could see them sort of putting V and Cardinal <clears throat> to the side for now and simply just focusing on Phasma because that's sort of what The Force Awakens lends to some more because there you see Phasma go down into the trash compactor, I believe. And as we know, clearly you can survive the trash compactor from previous movies. So it's not super surprising that she is a character who can figure something out like that and get herself out of that situation. But is there anything that we've missed so far that you still want to talk about for the novel? Yeah. So just the, I mean, so now that she has escaped, she escaped um, the, what is it called? It's not the Death Star. It's the, <laughs> it's the second, third Death Star. <laughs> right. But so she escapes and, I mean, again, you watch The Force Awakens, and it's so hero-driven that Phasma's just kind of like Boba fed it out. It's like, oh, yeah, look at this awesome character. Okay, we're just going to throw him away. But now that Phasma's escaped and is in The Last Jedi, so from what I've read in this book and the tactics and how the grueling landscape she had to survive and the entire journey of her with Brendel trying to survive the harsh conditions of this planet and then killing, almost severely killing Cardinal. They, uh, in the last Jedi trailer, they have uh, Finn go up against Phasma in a what looks to be a melee, hand-to-hand combat kind of duel. And I swear if the plot armor is too strong for Finn, like, according to this book, Phasma should absolutely annihilate Finn. There is absolutely no way that Phasma, like, loses that battle. We'll see, but that's what I expect to see. And I know that's like high expectations now, but Phasma has gone through everybody. I don't think Kylo Ren would probably be scared of fighting Phasma from the looks of this book. <laughs> My best guess for that fight scene there is Phasma will definitely have the upper hand, but I get the feeling they're sort of going to possibly go for a bit of a cop out and have something else happen that distracts Phasma just enough for Finn to either get away or something like that because the chances of them killing off one of the new of the three characters between Ray, Poe, and Finn seems highly unlikely to do that in literally the second movie they've been in when The Force Awakens still felt largely about bringing those three into the fold basically. So to get rid of one of them so soon seems like something they definitely wouldn't do knowing that they have at least a trilogy planned. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all hypothetical and it's all just a wish, but I want to see Phasma. I want to see Phasma not lose a battle anymore because now the backstory is too strong. Like the backstory is, this is, again, this is like the impact of this allows for Phasma to have this identity and have this really strong survival instinct and obviously escaping and then living and then escaping again and living. It's a constant, like, Phasma gets out of the worst situations and continues to thrive. So it's, it's going to be an interesting movie. 
but I think they needed this book so we could all like push aside like all right Phasma was bad but it's a whole new type of villain that is under that mask and I really want to see it like raw and unsheathed and out in the world and now that um we give a good description of Phasma from Cardinal finally seeing her I thought it was really really great how even Cardinal was like, oh my god, like those beautiful blue eyes, that beautiful blonde hair, like this pale warrior, and then like he like went to darkness, and I was like, I think that was such a taunting move. It was so great. It was so great. Yeah, and one other thing I want to note too, I think the reason the Rebellion is able to get the upper hand in certain situations is the fact that they aren't trained like the First Order, so they are way more unpredictable, especially, you know, in the previous films when you would throw Han Solo into anything. It was just you had no clue what was going to happen. You just knew it wasn't going to go as planned. So I think they're going to continue to use that to their advantage, too, because the First Order does things in such a particular way that if the Rebellion even plucks a few people like Finn from the First Order they're going to have a good idea of how things work with the stormtroopers because pretty much all of the stormtroopers do the same thing no matter where they're located. They have the same tactics and, you know, the same training. So I feel like that is what really gives them the upper hand there because you never really know what any of them are going to do. And sometimes they have half of the plan planned out, but then they're just going to wing it as they go. Yeah, I think that was uh, that is something that will be interesting to see, especially since the First Order is supposed to be so disciplined, having been trained from Cardinal and Phasma. So it's going to be interesting to see like how the Resistance can just be like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna escape out escape out these battles where it's from what I've seen painted. Yes, they have a really great general in Leia. They have a really great general in Akbar, but. How are they going to, like, go against this for years? You know, we're talking, like, two decades almost of training and planning and strategizing and, you know, ruthless killing from Phasma on some backwater planet no one ever went to. So it's going to be interesting tactics to see what's going to happen. And I'm really excited for it. I think The Last Jedi has a lot of really great hype right now, and I think this book really helped lend into the hype. And it definitely got me excited. Me too. And the thing is, you know, we see in this book how easily V gets to Cardinal. So if you have one person in the rebellion who is that good at getting to people, you don't necessarily need an entire army. Like she took down one of the high ranking officers because he just couldn't handle the story she was telling him. And he was compelled to do something about it. So then it's like, okay, well now who's going to take his place? And it'll be interesting to see if we see that at all too, especially with Phasma being more present in this movie, it seems like, will she interact with the new person who is training the stormtroopers through the simulator or not? Yeah. And I think uh, another thing that we need to talk about with her being so interactive is that she murdered her own niece to, like, make sure that no one knew her story. Right. And that's exactly why she got rid of Brendel, was that no one could know her story. But she is completely, like, psychopathic. And so for her to get rid of so many people, and now 
at the end of the book, it was kind of like a throwaway line, but she's like, oh, so there's someone still on Parnassus. It's like, yeah, okay, I want to see these. I want to see this. I, I want to see it all happen. I want to see her have a side story eventually about that because this is now, again, we got a humanized character of a person in undestructible armor. So I really want to see so many more things from Phasma, and I'm definitely excited with what the current canon is doing. Yeah, and it's just amazing how well Delilah S. Dawson wrote this character to fit perfectly into, one, all of the things we didn't know about the character when we saw her in The Force Awakens, but two, to prepare us for The Last Jedi and what could come when we see Phasma again. Yep, and it's going to be, oh man, again, I want to see Phasma just completely go animalistic into her survival instincts. It's going to be awesome when it happens. Yeah, and by the time everyone is listening to this, we'll have about a month before The Last Jedi comes out. So you won't have too terribly long to wait here. And I don't know about you, but I did not get tickets for opening weekend yet just because I am trying to wait and see if I can find someone to go with first. So I don't have to go to like some 8am screening by myself or something like that. So I might wait a couple weekends to see it just to, you know, be able to sit there and really focus on it and not worry about like this big crowd or when are we going to get in and all those sorts of things that you have to do on opening weekend when you're like waiting outside for a movie. Yeah, I uh, got tickets to one of those like sit down and dine theaters okay. where there's only like 15 seats i got tickets the night of like the 14th or whenever it comes out so i'm really excited to watch it and like enjoy a nice glass of wine maybe some dinner and just sit there and watch a movie it's gonna be awesome yeah and there's definitely so many different ways you can experience movies in the theaters now it's kind of crazy and i think they've done that just so you know they'll attract more people <laughs> but it's star wars so we probably don't have to worry about that and I will definitely link to our previous chat about the Tarkin book as well. And I'm sure, Sean, I will have you back on for another Star Wars episode, probably another book, since you seem to be more caught up, I think, than most people on some of these newer books. And I am slowly but surely making my way through them. But thank you so much for coming on to talk about this book. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. I'm always trying to read every single Star Wars thing. So it's definitely fun to be on this and kind of just vent all these different topics and ideas and themes of what they're doing with Star Wars. It's great. Yeah, I feel like this could partially just end up being half Star Wars episodes and half other episodes because there's so much Star Wars content. But that is a lot to keep up with, too. So, you know, I'm sure... We will have plenty of Star Wars episodes coming up here leading up to the next few movies. But to the listeners, as always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.